Welcome to Tangents. I'm Susan Farley, Project Manager for McLaughlin Research Corporation, and I support the Public Affairs Office at the Naval Undersea Warfare Center, Division Newport. June is Pride Month, and we're excited to bring you a special series to celebrate. Vima Manfredo is Division Newport's Special Emphasis Program Manager for LGBTQ A, and she has taken over as host of Tangents. She's assembled a wonderful lineup of guests, and there have been some great thought-provoking conversations detailing the struggles and the goals of the LGBTQ community. This episode features a conversation with Jeffrey Priella Tam, also known as Stormtrooper Jeff. Vima asks him about his unique way of fundraising for LGBTQ projects. He dresses as a Stormtrooper from Star Wars and runs 5Ks and other races to raise money for charities. This is when I found out what a big Star Wars fan Vima is. Have a listen. Hi, Jeffrey. Um, I'm Vima, and I'm here with Susan. I took over for the Tangents podcast for the month of June, basically taking over and taking over the world for her. Uh, but I'm so happy that you could join us. If you could introduce yourself for our listeners. Yeah, of course. Hi, everyone and everybody else who's listening. Uh, my name is Hospital Foreman First Class. Jeff Priella. I'm currently stationed with CG1 Mess over in Camp Pendleton in California. Um, I've been in, in the Navy for about you know, 15 and a half years now. I'm going to be 16 this December. Um, I've been all over the place. I've been by coastal. I've been to Hawaii. I've been on the ship. Um, served served as Marine. Um, I, I've still got like what five, five, six years left of active duty before I. I retire. Uh, hopefully, I'll make peace before then. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm just, it, it's been a it's been a wild ride <laughs> being in the Navy, uh, meeting so many different people, and experiencing so many uh, great things. That's great. Um, so, talk to us about your military background. Um, your I know you have a history of military service in your family. If you wanted to expand that on um, on that a little bit. Yeah. Sure. So. When I uh, when I I joined before I joined the military, I was actually in school. I was I went to the California Institute of the Arts, uh, so I, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in fine arts. Uh, and since 2005, wasn't looking too well for the job market, um, and the military was a primary interest uh, in, in, during college. I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, and jump right in. So I did, which is kind of weird to go from art school to active duty military in three months. It's such a, a strange transition. But, you know, my brother was in, in the Navy as well in the late 80s, early 90s. He got out after 14 years. Uh, and my dad, he, he was in World War II. He was a POW during World War II. Um, and, you know, carrying on our military legacy, my nephew just commissioned this past Friday on board the USS Midway, so he's going to be a, a surface warfare officer wow. on board the USS Ashland uh, in Sasebo uh, in October. So we're pretty we're pretty happy about that. We're pretty thrilled. Um, I was I was there to witness that, um, just to see another member of our family in or commissioned this time around. Uh, it, it's really thrilling. Um, but yeah, that's basically it in a in a nutshell for my military service. So we've you know we've had uh, a continuous line of, of, of sailors, as it were, except for my dad in the meantime. That's amazing. 
Um, so I know you served BE4 uh, 2011. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience during Don't Ask, Don't Tell? So when, when Don't Ask, Don't Tell, when I enlisted, it, it was kind of sort of going towards it, its final inevitability, its tail end, as it were. Um, I, I enlisted in 2005, and the policy was still uh, intact then. I remember enlistment paperwork. It had a little disclaimer, and you had to initial it or mark it saying, I'm not homosexual, and I do not engage in non-sexual practices, blah, 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 blah. If, if I find out that I was lying, you would be prosecuted in the fullest extent of the law or something along those lines. I still have my paperwork that, that said that, and I, you know, I saw it the other day, and I'm like, oh, a bit of a nasty thing. Um, but it's funny because you have all these apprehensions um, of LGBTQ plus uh, folks that are trying to enlist today, it, the experience is a lot more different. Like today, you see, they, they just come in all shapes and sizes. Nobody really questions it. Nobody really faces that much of a scrutiny. Unlike back then, I mean, back then when I enlisted, uh, there wasn't much, at least from what I experienced. In fact, in boot camp, I told everybody that you know, I kind of leaned this way, and nobody really cared because <laughs> we were all suffering at the same time, <laughs> trying to clean right. up after ourselves and getting yelled at. So <laughs> they had other you know, things misery, to worry about. Misery loves company, I suppose. Uh, but you know, before 2005, oh yeah, it was it was horrible. I mean, don't ask, don't tell was a, a compromise under the Clinton administration. Uh, because they, they wanted to do a blanket ban on, on gays and lesbians serving openly. And this was the political compromise saying, hey, you can still serve. However, you cannot live your authentic life. Um, which, if one had to boil it down, you're pretty much saying, yeah, you're going to have to lie about who you really are. And that's not, that's not kosher. Right. So when that changed, how did your life open up after that? So leading up to it, I was in Hawaii. Um, it wasn't, I mean, I knew there were gay people and I made friends with them on my first duty station. Um, but, you know, none of us were really out, uh, except for like one or two, but people were written in as like a spoken secret. Um, but when I started to get a little bit more active with the repeal of John S. Hotel. Um, I was in Hawaii and I was serving there. Uh, that's when I really started to meet other uh, open, or not open, but um, other LGBT service members from all of the branches. Um, I do remember the day that repeal finally was signed. It was on a Tuesday at like 1600, and I was listening to the, the, the news reports uh, and the, the, the radio shows and the media basically covering it. it was Tuesday, of course, you're in Honolulu and you're stuck in traffic, and the most beautiful sunset was, was starting, and it felt liberating. It's like, holy cow, you, know, you, don't, have to, you don't have to pretend anymore, you don't have to, to lie anymore. Um, and, you know, around that time, I was. Uh, already getting uh, my food 
that's great because um once you're able to live your authentic life and also fulfill your purpose in the military or in the civilian workforce like the the workforce we have here you're you're such you have all this freedom to give your 100% to your job because you don't have right. that nagging thing in the back of your on your mind right it's so back then you know i i, I did a bunch of interviews um in hawaii and, and the mainland and I, I i equivocated the whole experience to this imagine if you're trying to run a 5k or a marathon right you're you're competing in this this high endurance sport everybody else is allowed to breathe but you that's awful how are you how are you going to perform right you're, you're that's not, so great you're going to falter you know exactly so that was that was the, the analogy that i used like everybody else has got you know a fair shake in life except you guys you, you can still perform but you just can't breathe <laughs> oh okay well i guess i'll just die then <laughs> <laughs> well i like how you brought up that as a as an analogy because you're running now as part of your platform how did you get into that how did that start uh, well, I'm a huge nerd, um, Same. <laughs> most members of the militaries are, you know, they, they, they tend to be influenced by pop culture and, and sci-fi and, and anime and whatnot, but my, my speciality is sci-fi, so I joined the military because I was uh, influenced by Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, I really like that idea, that utopian vision of, of the future, of everybody getting along and um, everybody serving together and pulling together in a crisis and solving all these impossible problems. Uh, also, leadership style, you know, the, the, the leadership styles of Captain Kirk, Captain Picard, all those guys. But what really got me going was, was, was Star Wars. Beam and I were talking I about Star Wars before we we called you for the podcast. Right. <laughs> because, well, everybody now now knows it because there's been a, a renaissance in in the genre. Well, I was telling Bima that I I saw it because I'm old. I saw it when it came out in the 70s like, originally. Right. Right. I was now like five, it, it, but it, still, I saw it. <laughs> exactly. It's like one of those precious moments. Like, oh, I was there when I saw it. Uh, in the cinemas when it first came out, and you know I didn't. <laughs> the first Star Wars movie that I actually saw in the cinema was one of the prequels. You know, that's what Viva said. Yeah, that was yeah. the same with me. So, going back to Star Wars, um, it, 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 there was a seed that was planted in my head um, a while back, and it started with Iron Man, uh, the, the Marvel series. I was really fascinated with the idea of an armor, a suit of armor. And I was enthralled with the story of, of Iron Man doing all these great things. But I was also enthralled with the Empire and the, the idea of a structured military organization and, you know, the, the Stormtrooper Corps and Darth Vader and Imperial Admirals and what have you. Um, so in 2016, it, it finally came to fruition. I moved to Connecticut from North Carolina to a new duty station and after saving uh, some money, I, I found a guy, an armor, who made stormtrooper costumes. And it was like, you know, $550 or whatever. So I, I bought a set and I tried my best to put it together uh, as close to screen accurate as possible. And he asked me, he's like, what are you going to do with it? I said, well, 
weird idea of, of doing things for charity as a stormtrooper. And after, you know, in the midst of building this armor, I found a guy in the UK by the name of uh, Jeremy Allenson, he's a Royal Air Force officer, an O4 type. And I, I read probably one of the most impressive things I've ever read. He did the London Marathon in a full stormtrooper armor. Oh, wow. That's crazy. And How comfortable made... is your stormtrooper armor? Oh, it's not. I was going <laughs> to say, it doesn't it, seem like it would be. It is hateful. Oh, so, no. you know, watching, watching, reading up on him, watching all of the media that was surrounding him, he raised like thousands of dollars by himself. And then he continued that tradition. He ran like 100K uh, around Pine, Pinewood Studios, which is where they, the, the UK uh, film set for where they filmed Star Wars. He did all this. And he even ran a full marathon in Afghanistan while he was deployed with his armor. Like, it was pretty badass. So I, I was like, you know, I'm going to start small. I'm going to start doing 5K. That's, that's manageable. Yeah. And, you know, the first 5K, it took me, you know, 20 million years to complete, but <laughs> completed it, you know. Um, but for about 20 to 30 of those 5Ks that I did in Connecticut, it was nothing but testing and fielding, testing and fielding, testing and fielding. It was just tweaking the armor a little bit more so that I can run a little bit faster, run a little bit more, more comfortably. Because still to this day, even when I do these rocks, it's a very hateful experience. You're torturing hot. yourself. Yeah, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know what? It, it's for a good cause, though, because I've last year, in the height height of uh, the COVID pandemic, I was able to raise like twenty thousand dollars. Wow! Wow! Doing, That's awesome. Doing good for online you. Online marathons and five Ks and whatever, you know, and it, all these monies they got dispersed to all these different. Uh, non-profit groups like um, the Modern Military uh, Association, who took over for OutServe, uh, donated it to, the, to Sparta, which is a trans um, advocacy group, donated to the NAACP, you know, pretty much everyone. So <laughs> it really does pay off in the end. Um, it's worth it. Yeah, it's it, worth all the sweat and tears. Yeah, and it, it, it makes people laugh, too. You know, it's like one of my favorite things before the pandemic was whenever a 5K starts, I show up maybe like an hour, 30 minutes early and they get suited up and whatnot. People start to notice you. They're like, what, is that guy really going to run? What the hell? Is, is that a stormtrooper? <laughs> Do they, does everyone want to take pictures with you? Yeah. Because I would want to take a picture with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every time without fail. So... Once I get once I get you know armored up, I, I, I really like to push my way all the way to the front of the of the line of the race, where all of the elite runners are, all the fast runners, all the fast all ones, the yeah. Runners. And so they're all like stretching and you know showing off and whatnot with their their sculpted bodies and their, <laughs> their, their fit, whatever. And then here comes me clinking and clanking away breathing heavily <laughs> just standing next to them and they're looking at me they get weirded out for about five seconds and it throws them off and the look on their faces when they see me and if, if we ever make eye contact it's like yeah you are going to be running against me i will not 
finish ahead of you, but damn it, you ran with the stormtrooper <laughs> today. <laughs> that is that is quite an experience. I, I I absolutely love it. I I went on the internet finding all the pictures of you running, and and they're all amazing. <laughs> Uh, but it, this it, this is such a great example on how a single person can make such an impact to so many different lives on so many different levels. You're raising um, awareness and funding for so many different organizations, and it's it's a party of one. But the impact that yeah. you've done, it's enormous. Yeah, I mean, the the bigger the 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 events, obviously, the more more visibility you get, but. You know, I, I have a presence online, so I just do it on that. And I, I don't do it for any of the glory or anything like that. I mean, yeah, if there's going to be a medal, I'll take the medal home and put it up on my wall and take off my help, my, my armor, crash on the couch afterwards. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I never really get anything back from it. It's just, all right, I'm here. I'm paying the $40. I to go think you get a care. lot back. <laughs> I think it's got to feel so good at the end of the day. Number one, taking yeah. off the suit. But number two, just knowing like how much you raise, like that's got to feel so good. And it kind of, I would guess it makes you want to do more stuff. Yeah, it does. And it, it, it drives me more to do you know, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, I have to worry about uh, donor fatigue. I, I, I don't want to have to keep, you know, milking the same cow over and over again. So I've, I've taken a break for a little bit, um, mainly because I have to put up a new armor. Um, but yeah, I, just, I don't want to, I guess, dilute the water, as it, as it were. No, that's um, smart. You, you want to pace yourself, really. Uh, so sometimes I'll just do a run just because, but just because, or I'll do a 5K just because. There's no, no donations or anything like that. But again, that's still part of the whole testing and part of the whole fielding and adjusting and making sure it's good for the next run. Um, that makes sense, yeah. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, I know you wrote an article about marriage equality and the impact on service members. Could you mm -hmm. talk us a little bit about that? Go, you know, this goes back to to the whole idea of equality across the service, right? Uh, everybody, ever since I joined the military, they're always saying, oh, it's an equal opportunity environment, and blah, 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 blah. There's no discrimination. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you could fool me. <laughs> um, but, you know, joining a group like OutServe and then American Military Partners Association, it turns out that you had LGBT couples, LGBTQ couples who have families. Now, here's the kicker. If an E1 marries immediately after boot camp, which we all know what happens, then they get VAH, they get medical, they get off-base housing, they get all of this stuff, right? All of the little added benefits of being married uh, to a service member. Well, back in the day, yeah, if, if you were, one, marriage equality wasn't a thing, so same-sex marriage wasn't even legal, and two, if you had a kid because you co-adopted or one of you adopted and you're now jointly raising, you don't get any of that access to the benefits, right? So you didn't get the BAH, you didn't get the, the medical, you didn't get the whatever. So just think about the EFM2 program, the Exceptional Family Member Program. Um, you have service members who have kids who are autistic or who are special needs or 
of some kind of critical medical issue that, that needs a higher level NCS or a hospital to take care of. Well, if a sort of an LGBTQ couple had that same uh, problem, they wouldn't have been given that same, uh, same sort of access as a straight couple. You know what I mean? Right. So there is a thin veneer of discrimination right there. So thankfully, the, the government, in its infinite wisdom, uh, changed the law and you know, we managed to get uh, marriage equality pushed through, uh, all because um, a little old lady by the name of Edie Windsor decided to sue the government. Um, and that was another thing, too, was like, you know, Edie Windsor, when she went to the Supreme Court, she was getting charged, or was she was getting taxed this enormous amount of money because she was the sole beneficiary of her wife's estate. But if it happened, if a straight couple, if one of them died, they wouldn't have been given that that same sort of tax. So that was the impetus for like for federal purposes, marriage equality should be legal uh, under the eyes of the law. And then a couple of years later, we had full marriage equality across all the states uh, in a civil in a civil manner. Yeah, and and that is such an important event. I I know that happened. Um... A little while back, but I remember a lot of folks saying, "Well, I don't understand why you want to get married." Thinking about the classic marriage of a couple that doesn't get get along together, but they're still married fifty years later, and that that yeah. scope. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is that the importance of marriage equality, is, like you said, it's giving those benefits to your family if you're a service member or being able to make end-of-life decisions for your um, husband or wife or partner and having exactly. that, that, that protection from the law. If, you're, if your partner is in the hospital, being able to go and see them without having their family prohibit you from going into the room. Yeah, so yeah, and that's a very good point. Imagine if I got deployed to Afghanistan or to the Middle East or wherever, right, to, I don't know, Bermuda, uh, and something happened in Bermuda where, you know, I suddenly died. If marriage equality wasn't in the book or it wasn't recognized by the federal government, my husband would, one, not have been notified, and two, none of my benefits would go straight to him. So he'd have been left out in the cold. Yeah. You know, It goes back to that same analogy of asking some a group of people, "Hey, you're you're all going to run a marathon, except you two over there who are gay married. You can run it, but you have to run it separately, and you cannot breathe. Oh, and you have to you have to carry this weight along with you too, but make sure you win. Yeah, it's basically not fair. Yeah, it, that is a great a great analogy. It's such a burden. Um, And, and I'm glad that we are past that. There's a lot of work to be done still, but there are, there are small wins like marriage equality passing, like uh, the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. So we, we still have a lot of things to celebrate, uh, which brings me to what does Pride Month mean to you? What do you celebrate on Pride Month? It's mm, a loaded question. <laughs> what does Pride Month mean to me? So funnily enough, for People who are young, Pride Month is about expression and being able to be who you are, be truly who you are, without facing any sort of repercussion 
from your friends, your family, your neighbors, your government, anything like that. It's, this country that values personal freedom. So why not make orientation part of that mantra? Why can't LGBT people be who they are 365 days a year? Pride shouldn't really shouldn't really be confined in just one month. And that goes for all of the other observations throughout the year. Asian American you know, Pacific Islander Month or African African American History Month or you know, whatever. It needs to be a three sixty five, twenty four seven evolution. Absolutely. But for me, you know, Pride Month is it's another way of saying, Yeah, we exist. And yes, we are persisting. And yes, we're going to be here for a very long time. It marks the struggle that, that LGBTQ service members have made and the LGBTQ people in general have made since the founding of this republic. If you think about it, if you go back in time, did you know that the first military officer to actually organize the Continental Army into a credible force, Baron von Steuben, right? He was gay. Yes. Washington still hired him to organize his army into a credible fighting force. Everything that we see today, that the military, how the military is structured, how we're organized, how we do business comes straight from von Steuben's instruction. And that's what Washington was, was only interested in. He didn't care that he, he liked dudes. He, he cared about his military prowess. He cared about his, his organizational skill. And that's the point, is people shouldn't be sticking their noses into our personal lives. Like, hey, I heard you like guys, or I heard, heard you like girls, or I heard you like both, or I heard you like to, to be drag. No, fool. It's because I can do this job sometimes better than you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's about ability and how we perform out in the field is what's valuable. And we should be given a chance to do that. So to me, that's what pride means, is being able to do what you can do in the time that you give. So our listeners span, you know, the Naval Sea Systems Command workforce and what would you want our listeners to take away from Pride Month and, and, and really, you know, the things that you're advocating for? Because I think with, when you have the whole spectrum, you have people who are who have not come out yet, people who are out and, you know, sort of conditionally, like maybe in their social circles, but not at work. And then you have uh, allies and, and then people who are, are just not at the, you know, not understanding any of the movements, what what would you want takeaways of Pride Month to be? Well, I think it's 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 more about mutual respect. You you mentioned that you know how, how do people perceive other people who identify as this or identify as that? You don't need to move a mountain in order to understand something. Sometimes you just need to move a pedal, and you'll you'll get it. All that we as a people, and I'm talking about Americans in general, we espouse respect. Respect for each other, respect for uh, our way of life, respect for how we live, et cetera, and so forth. That's all we really want. Whatever respect you, you expect is the same kind of, of respect 
Right, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that would be it. The, the all-encompassing answer would be the golden rule: is just treat others like you, how you would be treated yourself. That's a that's a great advice in its simplicity. Of I have my own way of moving through life, and I just need to be respected for that, and be allowed to give my to give others my hundred percent without fear, and allowed to breathe. Using your your analogy. I should be allowed to breathe while I'm moving through my experiences and while I'm working and giving myself a hundred percent to the workforce. Exactly. Like, who are you to stop to tell somebody, "Hey, you can't do this particular skill because of X, Y, and Z"? You know, it's like telling your best friend who's left-handed, "Oh, you can't, you can't weld the ship, or you can't input this this CAD drawing because you're left-handed." No, no. If they can do it better left-handed, great. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. Is there anything that you would like to add? One of uh, Bima's questions that I thought was good was, uh, do, you, do you have a favorite or most impactful race that you've done? Um, earlier, we did a couple, we had a few conversations earlier today, and uh, the Pride March in Washington, D.C. came up as being a really, uh, for Vima and some of our other guests, a really powerful, emotional uh, event. Do you have anything like that in, in your experience? I do, but it had nothing to do with LGBT pride. That's okay. Let's hear it. But it was, but it was a very cathartic experience nonetheless. I, actually, it, it's, a, it's, it's another good analogy. Um, and I, I like to use the analogy of a marathon or a 5K or a run or a long-distance run. It's so relatable. Um, yeah, it's, it's so relatable because that's what life is, is It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Your life is in it for the long haul. And you can know, you can do it as fast as you like. You can do it as slow as you like, as long as you reach the objective, whatever that, that may be. Um, so Pace yourself and enjoy ago, the view. <laughs> yeah. So a, a few years ago, I, I did an event called the Bataan Memorial Death March uh, out in New Mexico. Um, it was the first time I did it. It was a very emotional experience as well as a physical experience because it's 26 miles in a multi-terrain desert environment and you're carrying packs and it's an all-day event. But along the way, you have thousands of people who are doing the same thing with you, either running or, or rucking or hiking or whatever the case may be, and they're all suffering in the same way. And this whole point of this march is to commemorate you know, the Bataan Memorial or the Bataan Death March survivors back in 1942, which is what my what my dad survived. Um, he was a POW in World War II. Um, and the whole idea and the whole mythology of the Bataan Death March, it, it permeates our our family history. Uh, because my dad, you know, he, he very nearly died from it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, let's be real. I mean, he he, could, he contracted every single disease known to man, with the exception of COVID, um, at the time. But he still survived because of his his will to live, his faith, and most importantly, his his dad when he found out that his son was alive. So when I did that 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 rough, there was a point where you just can't do it anymore. Your, your, your system is beginning to shut down, but you still have a few miles to go. You have to get over that wall. 
And for me, it was a very cathartic experience hitting that wall because you had to reach deep down into yourself and find whatever it is that will make you take that one step. And of course, one step leads to another step and so on and so forth. You just keep on going that way. So that was my, my thing, is, you know, reaching the 20-mile marker, I guess, going up a hill. It was just ridiculous. I was suffering. I had one of those communions with the force sort of experience, and I thought about my dad and, you know, his experiences during the actual death march, and that spurred me to, to, to go on. And that kind of sort of, that ties into our discussion of Pride Month. It's like, you know, for somebody like me who, who survived NSNL, who survived, you know, Bill Nye, and managed to, to bring marriage equality, all of these successes were built on other people's suffering and other people's struggles. The best thing you can do is to honor that sacrifice and that struggle by being you and being the best that you can be and being a good example for the next generation. Uh, when I do these Stormtrooper runs, it isn't just a vanity project. It's there to inspire people as well. I've got people coming back from from, or reaching out through Facebook saying, hey, I've seen your post since day one, and you really inspired me to do this 5K. I never used to do 5Ks, and now I'm doing them weekly. I just want to say you, you inspired me because of what you do. So you know, that, that's, that's pretty much it. It's just be an inspiration to somebody and, and, and honor that sacrifice that other people have, have gone through to essentially get you where you are you know that's awesome jeffrey yeah um, thank you for sharing your story i no, can't I believe you're it. you you're doing all that but uh it's it's all for a good purpose i'd like to think so yeah <laughs> 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 no it, it, it is um well i want to thank you for your time and for sharing your story with us and i wish you the best of luck and all your future races. And I, I hope you're able to continue what you're doing successfully for a very long time. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. And, and I hope to see Stormtrooper Jeff running around in New England one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll see if I get stationed. I mean, I, I was there, you know, two years ago running around in Connecticut, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully um, the winds take one... you this way. <laughs> Yeah, right. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I still have enough time in, in the military to possibly make it back over there. Yeah. Know? And who knows? I might have a little squadron of, of stormtroopers running with me. Who knows? <laughs> I hope so. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Tangents. You can find this episode and the other Pride Month episodes on the Tangents Wiki and follow us on Fusion hashtag Tangents.